Welcome to another exciting edition of the Crowd Assist Podcast. It is special edition, Thanksgiving turkey trot, crush the Cowboys week. We are playing on a short week, so we got an early episode for you. As always, I'm Maniac, joined by my co-host, Topher. Very special guest this week. If you're familiar with Trainwreck, you've seen his awesome work on bullet points. If you're familiar with uh, Cover One, you've seen his awesome podcast, The Kevin and Jason Show. We welcome to the show, Kevin Masari. Kevin, how are we doing tonight? Maniac, doing well. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Obviously, coming off a week, we're one day away from Victory Monday filming, uh, recording this Tuesday night. It's great. We're eight and three, but it feels like we're on the cusp of something bigger. Obviously, I'm talking about the Cowboys, but before we get into those big things, before we go past this uh, Bronco victory, we, of course, got to shout out our sponsor, Picasso's Pizza. For the best pizza in Western New York, go to picassospizza.net. For the best deals on the best pizza in Western New York. Kev, we're coming off a big victory off the Broncos. Uh, Bills were kind of small favorites, but they took care of business in a dominant way. There's been a lot of reactions to the game. A good offensive movement, not capitalizing fully with touchdowns. Shaq Lawson's craziness. Trey White might be the best CB in the league. What is your biggest takeaway from all the Broncos takeaways? I think you have to say how complete of a game they played um, from start to finish. They had some red zone um, failures early on in the game. thought they got a little creative. We saw the um, short side quarterback draw early on in the red zone. That's something that needs to just be away from the playbook you know, forever. Um, but outside of that, I thought they played a really solid football game. Josh Allen looked pretty good. One throw sailed on him. But, I mean, look at that wind. Um, Brandon Allen couldn't even throw in it. Um, other quarterbacks would have struggled there. So it kind of sailed on him. Uh, outside of that, I thought he played a pretty good football game, only one turnover in the last five weeks. So I uh, can't can't complain too much. So between the back to back games between them and Miami Maniac, I think you saw a dominating you know fashion in both games. Something Bills fans have been waiting to see with these bad teams that they've been playing. But hey, Denver's knocked off a couple of good teams, and so has uh, Miami beat Indianapolis. So no 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 freebie football games in this. And you had to come into this Thanksgiving game. I had it jotted down at because of the schedule at eight and three. And uh, that's, that's exactly where they are. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, like you mentioned the dolphins, that's a division opponent on the road and they handled business pretty easily. And then like you mentioned, the Broncos rattled off a couple of good wins this year and they almost took down the Vikings who, you know, have eight or nine wins this year. So I think we saw the winning formula, honestly, like, yeah, it was Brandon Allen leading the Broncos out there, but you have, you have a strong secondary who was able to lock down, you know, a top target. You have the defensive line disrupting and getting to the quarterback. And then you have your quarterback who makes just enough great plays to uh, to move the ball and put it in the end zone. And, and then they were able to obviously pound the rock with Singletary. So definitely a really encouraging game. And it, it's it's the feeling you wanted going into, I think, the game that everyone had circled onto the calendar uh, going into the year you know, with Dallas. Yeah, eight and three. I don't think there's any spot any Bills fan would rather be than going into this week right now with that record. Hey, here, you know what? Trainwreck Sports and the Crowd Assist podcast, we obviously love keeping Duke Williams a secret. 
But are the Bills doing a little too good a job of that? I mean, would he be someone that we could plug Kevin on a game day and maybe get a little bit more out of than, say, Andre Roberts, who's really just been getting a couple extended returns? Now, I might be a little naive with that take, but just something we were thinking about and something I wanted your input on because I know that you have a high ability when it comes to assessing roster ability and ability to make an impact right away. Do you think I'm crazy off on that? No, I think it's been a, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but to me, I think there's one key spot that the, the roster spot should be active and that's Sonoris Perry. Uh, he's a guy that I've, I've thought has missed in his gaps on special teams. He's only been playing at 50% of special team snaps. Um, and I think I calculated it down and, and I did, don't have the numbers from Denver, but I calculated it down to about 13 or 14 plays um, that he was in on and didn't affect uh, those plays. So I think that you could scratch a guy like Sonoris Perry, definitely for Duke Williams. I think that that's a necessary move where you're getting some run blocking. You're getting a big physical presence in the red zone. Um, I think he's, you know, he's more, he's useful. Um, he's more useful than Elise Smith is down there. Um, I mean, I probably prefer him in the red zone to Tyler Croft as well. So I, I think there's a spot for a maniac. I think that they've been working him slowly. I think the special teams is the reason you don't see him on the field um, from a unit that does is really good in kick return and punt return. Um, they're, they're number one in the league. Uh, without that, you know, without a touchdown yet. But outside of that, I think they struggle in kick coverage. Uh, I think they struggle in all their kick in and punt games. I think that they have had some mishaps, uh, both in punt protection and in other, you know, forms of, uh, I think their kick coverage, they've had some pretty bad gap assignments and bad gap integrity we saw last week as well. So they're good at some facets of the game, but I think Heath Farwell's unit is not performing up to standards. Therefore, I don't need to see Sonoris Perry active on game days. I think that needs to go to Duke Williams and Robert Foster should be active if healthy. Uh, and, and, and I'm a big TJ Yeldon stand too. I think that he needs to be active. I think he adds a third down uh, dynamic to the game. I think he can do something that neither of the two running backs can do. Singletary has shown he's able to uh, receive out of the backfield and, and we're good with it. But TJ Yeldon's actually a really good pass catcher. Um, so he could he could help out against a potentially offensive uh, team in, in, in Dallas in an offensive game. So in, in a dome. So I'd like to see him active. It's probably not going to happen. But I do think you have a chance to see Duke Williams active uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, mentioned Yeldon because I was interested, you know, seeing him in the preseason. Obviously, he had a couple of fumbles and mishaps, but you saw the potential of what he could bring to the offense. Um, but I'm also glad you you didn't bring it down to, you know, like it's got to be Andre Roberts versus Duke Williams, because as much as the special teams has covered, I think Andre Roberts not only is a bright spot, I think he's he's honestly, I think, playing at a Pro Bowl level as, as far as punt returning goes. You saw last week he... He hasn't broken off the one big game-changing rush, but we were seeing him, you know, give him, put him in position, the offense at least past like the 30-yard line consistently, especially when it's a booming punt down at the 10, 15-yard line. And that's really all you can ask for. And he's, he's consistent. He hasn't made a mistake. And last week, he actually almost broke one out. I think it was the, I think Denver was punting out of the end zone and he caught the ball and just pivoted and went left. And he had basically one guy to beat. Um, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't beat the guy to the sideline. But if he did, if he was able to turn the corner, he was he was going to the pile on and scoring six. So um, I think Andre Roberts, I think he's doing a great job. And he's he's uh, like I said, the one consistent bright spot we've seen out of the special teams. But yeah, Duke Williams, I mean, it'd be nice to see him getting uh, back involved, especially when we get to these cold weather games where Allen's just going to be kind of hucking it up in the red zone. Uh, a target like that would be huge. 
No doubt. He's definitely playing well. Obviously, <clears throat> you don't want a guy back there who's fumbling, as we saw what happened with uh, McLeod and uh, Pick, Pick Carolina, obviously, because that's where special teams can lose you a game. So I am taking it for a little for granted with Andre Roberts, but that was a great point by you, Kev. Obviously, if we're not getting anything out of Norris Perry, it's just so odd. You saw in the Tennessee game that Duke can have such an impact. It's just boggling to me that they wouldn't want that weapon out on the field. But we won't rush to judgment there, and we'll continue on, obviously. Playing on Thanksgiving in Dallas. It's arguably the flashiest game on the entire NFL schedule for the whole year. It'll likely be on more TVs than any other game this season. In that way, Kev, I mean, obviously, a lot of fans, I would say, have not predicted a win. I mean, just like logical expectations. But does that make it almost as important, the number of eyes that are going to be on this game, the amount of attention that's going to be on this game, does that make it almost as important as, say, like the must-wins against Denver and Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 eyes on this team is helpful for a victory here. And, and, and you're going to have a double-edged sword here because what's going to happen if the Bills do pull off this game? We'll get into the numbers here, too, after in a minute. Um, but if you have a Bills team that wins this game, who are dogs by, it's fluctuating, I think it's around seven points right now, um, going into Dallas uh, with a, I, I believe the football power index gives them only a 19% chance to win uh, this game. If the Bills win, you knock Dallas to six and six. They have a pretty severe problem with their coaching staff that is going to get discussed at nauseum um, as, as if they take a loss here. I mean, especially they're already kind of taught Jerry Jones kind of put them under the the gun here. Another loss. Well, whew, I mean. Uh, that that might go a long way. So you're going to get the best of both worlds. You're going to take a W on national TV, but then you're still going to have people that are like, well, Dallas is six and six. You're still another team without a winning record, a 500 football club, Tennessee sitting there one game over 500, but probably an eight and eight team when it's all said and done. So is Dallas going to regress to an eight and eight team? I think they're a little too good to be eight and eight. Um, I, nine and seven, 10 and six is where I have them depend actually depending on this bills game. So you're going to take the criticism for that. I mean, there's, there's, there is wins out of this, um, but the NFC. So this game really only helps their battle against the New England Patriots. If you think that the division is still up for grabs, this game is pretty important due to common opponents um, and obviously New England beating Dallas uh, last week. So um, outside of that, the AFC games are a little bit more important in the wild card race because the first tiebreaker is obviously AFC record. And it isn't when it comes to the division, it's common opponents. So that's that's a weird tiebreaker rule thing. Um, so. On national TV, you know you it's take playoff it. race season when you're talking common opponents. <laughs> I feel like that is a phrase that only gets used during down the stretch of playoff races. For sure, and it's only when we don't talk about it actually more than we we should talk about it more. It would be more of a term if the Bills were ever in the division race because it is usually a division race tiebreaker. It is the first one after division record um, that is used. So we would use it if if this division was ever up for grabs. I mean, they're eight and three, and and I think it's like a three percent chance to win. I've tweeted that they need they need a loss. Uh, New England needs to lose to Miami or Cincinnati for the Bills to even have a chance at it. Um, or just tanking. I mean, I'm not predicting them to lose three plus games outside of that. Um, mm. So it, it's it's tough. There's the division isn't really there still at eight and three. It's 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 terrible. Um, but this 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 uh, Cowboys game, if they win, does give them pretty a pretty big margin of error to, that they could drop. Uh, you don't want to, but you could drop to Pittsburgh. You could drop to the Jets. Um, you could drop obviously Baltimore um, if if they they do get that margin if they do beat the Cowboys. And I think it's needed because I think. You're going to get one of two Cowboys teams, guys. You're going to get the Cowboys team that 
is going to come out on all guns looking to win their division, um, just like the Eagles kind of did to us, uh, bad timing. Or you're going to get them just like, yeah, I don't, you know, my owner kind of call us out, all out, our coaching staff I don't know about. You know, I, you know, it's Thanksgiving. We know we're going through the motion. So you're going to get one or the other, and hopefully it's the latter. I mean, the Bills are able to come out of this nine and three with 10 days rest for Baltimore, which would actually just be a house money game, you know, not expected at all to win that. Um, but really, it would be free money. Oh, my gosh. Having that Baltimore game as a house money game at nine and three would be amazing. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Now, now, Kevin, you, you kind of started alluding to it, the, the perception of the Bills nationally. You, you mentioned like, oh, even if they win. And all hell breaks loose at Jerry World, the you know, the day after the Cowboys are 500. It's like, oh, well, the Bills, their best win is still that Tennessee win. Maniac, I you tweeted out something, and I wanted you to kind of elaborate on it, because I think I completely agree with you on this. Like, am I weird for not caring at all what, like, the national media thinks? In fact, I think it's better that we're just kind of, like, cruising along, getting these, these Ws that we're supposed to be getting, and when it comes playoff time. Because I feel like... Like no one, no one knows what's going to happen. Like besides the Patriots making the Super Bowl every year, like no, it's always a shit show when it gets to like the divisional rounds and like the end of the season. And oh, everyone, yeah. everyone's takes everyone. We always say on the show, you know, the everyone's an all twenty two analyst. Like that all just all goes out the window, and every like everyone's completely wrong. So like, it, it, I almost feel like it'd be like a reverse jinx almost if everyone's like, oh, the Bills are great. Look at these guys. Look at look at these guys. Trey White, Allen, Singletary, all these guys. So, Maniac, what when you tweeted that out, like what kind of caused that? Because, like I said, I think I completely agree with you on that. It's a couple factors. I mean, when you just see there's just so well, first off, there are just so many quote unquote analysts out there. And I would even put myself under quote unquote analysts, obviously. But, you know, like there are so many takes, so many takes are just for clickbait, everything like that. So there's just so much media out there. First off, that you just see that's just attention grabbing. And then the stuff yep. that actually has yep. analysis to it, there are so many modern day stats that you can use for each side of every single situation that can yep. really make any any point. You can make any point you want going on every day. So the whole thing to me with the national media is like the national media is going to like gravitate towards what's the flashiest story. What's been the last, flashiest story the last three to four weeks? Lamar Jackson, obviously. He's been playing out of his mind. He's been in the news every day. When you think about the Bills, like, obviously, yeah, we want Josh Allen to turn into, like, a 6-7, Cam Newton 2.0.3, like, you know, and just start, like, running for 75 yards a game, throwing for 300, and getting four total touchdowns as we win every game, like, 35-21. to 21. But that's not how it's going to happen. I mean, McDermott, when he came here, it's a process. Every single game, I feel like they literally take every single game, like, it's its own little mission, and it's just to survive. Like, and the survive is winning. You don't have to do anything flashy. You don't have to play crazy. That's why they don't take chances down the stretch. That's why they play it conservative. It's just getting to the finish line. It could come back to bite us against a really good team. But I think against yeah. a team like Dallas that's struggling and maybe kind of ready to shoot itself in its own foot or even worse, Cheddar Bob shoot itself in its own wiener. Uh, you know, I think that could serve us really well against Dallas and Jason Garrett. I mean, you have two days later. You have Jerry Jones still talking about that game against the Patriots yeah. and how they messed up on the fundamentals and how, uh, what was the quote? I'm getting it from my intern here. Hold on. Which with one the about? Make, with, with the makeup of this team, oh, I yeah. shouldn't be this frustrated. Yeah. If you're Jason Garrett, there is no way you don't think in the back of your mind that if you lose this game, you could be fired. And across the sideline, there's a guy who just wants to keep Dallas from scoring 
get yep. the ball back, run the clock, and make methodical plays with his offensive coordinator, who since he's been in the booth, a lot of people, and probably him, believe in a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Underrated storyline, by the way. These two coaches clap the most out of any coaches in the NFL. So that that's a big uh, matchup to watch. But Maniac, I think you hit it on the head. Like, it's the hot – It's listen, Bills fans are very vocal. We're passionate. We're kind of freaks. We're very vocal, even when it comes to the internet, you know, Twitter sphere. So on one side, I feel like a lot of the analysts – They'll talk about the Bills and they'll have a take on one end or the other just because they know it's going to get a lot of clicks and retweets. Um, you know, one end, you got Jeff Schwartz, who just absolutely trashes Allen and the Bills 100% of the time. I'll never give him credit for anything. And then on the other end, you got like those good morning, what is it, good morning football? G- GMFB like, yeah. loves yeah, the yeah. Bills. Peter, they are all Peter over them. Schrager's big time. Schrager is jerking off the Bills since training (laughs) camp. Like every single day, it seems like he has a two minute clip. Like, oh, the Bills are my my pick to go to the AFC Championship game. You know, stuff like that. And then you got like you got Baldy. You know, giving breakdown saying Trey White is like top two corner in the NFL. And those tweets, all all these videos get like a hundred retweets. Then you see that video, it gets three thousand likes. So. I think it's just, I think a lot of it's almost like people know they're going to get a reaction out of Bills fans, whether it's good or bad. Perfect reason you can't give the media too much credit, and I'm sure you have a million points on this, Kev. Yeah, just right away, this is the easiest way to think about it. If Trey White was playing for the Giants or Jets, he would be like a national star. He probably would already been on Saturday Night Live, honestly. Oh, that personality? Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, are you, like seriously, versus in Buffalo. Like, I hate to say it. I don't want him to be He'd like, be with Spike know. Lee. Oh, my God. Oh, He'd be yeah. courtside. Be, 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 oh, yeah. courtside with Spike, like, half the games, at least. Kev, you got any thoughts on that? Just the national media, like, I mean, can you put too much stock in what they say? I would rather get an opinion from a Biscaglia or a Capaccio before, say, a cow herd or, you know, someone else. Yeah, I think the quote this week I saw was, if a tree falls, a playoff tree falls in Buffalo, does it actually count? Or something along those lines, what I saw from the national media. Um, I think that it does matter a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm on both sides of this argument where I don't think it, you know, I see the side where it doesn't really matter who cares what they say. Then I see the side where, you know, let's argue these guys all day. I call out Mike Clay all the time and it goes pretty viral when I do. I mean, he said that they, in 2017, the bills had the worst defensive back unit in the NFL and the worst individual unit of any unit in the NFL that ended up going to be the number one rated defensive backs um, per PFF in the league that year. Now, fast forward to 2019, he's tweeting about how good the unit is. Finally, you know, he corrected his mistake and it is. So he, he predicted that this unit was not only bad, but the worst individual unit in the NFL. It's mostly the same plus Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson. It's the exact same. So that's, that's just the kind of bias that Buffalo has to face all the time. Troy white is a lockdown corner. Stefan Gilmore was really good here in Buffalo a few years back. Um, and he, probably at times play just as good at here in Buffalo on pretty poor teams, depending on the year as he is there at just, you know, he's in new England and the team's doing well. So you hear about it more on you and you watch more of his film, but you know, he kind of left us with a sour taste by saying he's going to play more in prime time. Well, it's true because new England's really good. And I'll leave you with one more stat. I mean, you can't, I mean, I still see the Josh Allen haters. You can't c- claim him that he's going to be the next great quarterback, but you can say over those last eight weeks, Josh Allen has a 96 passer rating with 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. All those numbers better than Dak Prescott's 94 rating and seven interceptions, Matt Ryan's four interceptions. 
and 93 rating and Tom Brady's 84 passer rating and 10 touchdowns to four interceptions. Josh Allen's been playing solid, solid football all the way around. You know, had a little bit of uh, could have played a little bit better in, in Cleveland, which is a tough place to play. Um, but outside of that, he's played some pretty, pretty good football. And right now, guys, I think he's really eking his way in the top 12 quarterback range, whether you're pro bills or, ne- or negative bills. And at the end of the day, I want to bounce right back to that Kev Antover. I mean, top 12 out of Allen. That's all we need. We need to- a top 12 to 14 QB yeah. performance that with this defense, right? Easily. I mean, I think yep. that you take you sign off on that every day of the week if you have a quarterback 12 to 14. Um, you could pair that up with the third ranked defense and that you saw the difference between the third yeah. ranked defense and the fourth ranked defense in Denver. So, um, you know, there's, there's two upper echelon defenses and then the bills are right next to them, you know, and then, and then you have Denver and, you know, Dallas's defense is supposed to be pretty good, but I think they faltered and they're missing two key components too, guys. So with this defense, which is third rated in pretty much every category, they're rising on the sacks list now, um, to seventh. That's all you need. It's a 12 to 14th ranked Josh Allen mixed with a really good running game. I don't know. It's going to be a tough out for teams in the playoffs if that day comes. Yep. Yeah. yeah and you, I, I mean, you can just you can tell this is the exact formula. This is like the exact formula that they envisioned when they first took the reins here. Being in McDermott, like Kevin said, it's the defense having a serviceable quarterback who can make some plays, um, you know, that that might be above average to get it done. And then the running game, you know, that's. That's kind of the route that they wanted to take to the Super Bowl, which teams have done in the past. You know, we've seen it a lot. So obviously you'd like to see it done against maybe a tougher schedule and better opponents than they face this year. But I mean, what more can you ask for at this point? McDermott had a front row seat a couple of years ago. Broncos, Panthers, Super Bowl, two super hot defenses. And arguably Cam Newton was the hotter quarterback. But yeah, in the end, I mean, you need defenses to win out. So I mean, it like it just goes back to the flashy national media stuff. I'll, I'll wrap this point up just with this little mini rant. But, you know, you get all these flashy numbers and everything. I mean, the two most important ones, when you look at the Bills this year, they've allowed 20 points or less, 9 out of 11 games. Obviously, I don't care who they played. They had to play the games. And then there was a stat from your boy Mike Clay, Masari. The Bills have allowed an NFL low 43 pass TDs in 43 regular season games under Sean McDermott. Now, if this was like Rex Ryan when teams were gashing us like occasionally for eight to nine yards of carry, I would be a little bit more alarmed. But that doesn't happen. When we get gashed, it's just situationally a misassignment that teams take advantage of, which happens at the NFL level. I feel like if there was a blue collar network, these stats would be on the top of them. But instead, since it's ESPN and they don't they want flash and everything, you never see them. So I'll end that rant and we'll move on. We got to go on, Kev. What are your keys here? I mean, if the Bills are going to pull this up at seven to seven and a half point, tell me two to three things that we got to have happen. Got to run the football. I got to control the clock here. Uh, I don't want to see, and, and he has it in him, but I don't want to see these three, um, this, this, this three pass offense. Um, I, I like tempo. I think it's, it's helping Josh Allen with his read and check at the line. So I want to see a uh, run heavy offense. Uh, I want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're making the right checks at the line. We're controlling that clock. We're not always running out of gun. Uh, I don't, it was effective against Denver. It's, it's, it's not been great at times. I don't also want to bring in 12 personnel, which in my 12 and 22 personnel, which in my opinion, we've struggled in, which is heavy formations, heavy tight end sets, fullback sets. I want to keep them on their toes and the bills are the best when the defense cannot prepare for Josh Allen. Now, I don't mean that, 
he's going to beat them all over the field with his arm strength, which he can do, but it's, it's the legs. Why do you think that Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL from the 11 to 20 range? Because they have to do creeper pressures and they have to be in zones to protect themselves. Now, also, why is he the best quarterback in three and seven plus third and seven plus same reason? Because they need to respect his legs and that therefore it's suffering in coverage. He's able to find receivers. And if they do decide to play man coverage, he's going to bust out and, and, and go for 10 every time. So it is a hard out. It is very similar to Lamar Jackson, even though there's nothing alike in stature. But it's the same type of coverage nightmare for a defense to have to, to protect against this team when in third and longs. And being number one in the, in the NFL in third and longs, the Bills have been real good in those situations. It's not over. So a lot of teams, I don't like to see you give up on third and 10 and a draw. Josh Allen can, can convert these and he's limiting his negative plays. Therefore there's limited risk. The bills are good in those situations. And obviously they've been pretty good in the red zone. Um, almost great at times and, you know, struggled a little bit lately. So they need to dominate their the, the line of scrimmage offensively on top of it. They need to lock down Amari Cooper. We saw what happened last week against new England for Dallas with yep. Stefan Gilmar and Trey White's just, if you want to call it a tiny slight step back, um, but really, that next guy in, in line in, in this cornerback class, he's got to do it. They they struggle with that. And Zeke Elliott, he's going to get his, but I don't know. He's only had one run of 15 plus, I think I saw, um, or maybe it's 20 plus. It's one of the two. Yep, right. 20 plus. Facts. 20 plus. One. I mean, Josh yep. Allen has more than that. Or yeah. I think he has one too. Um, but Frank Gore has five. So, I mean, there there's the guys. I, <laughs> got to stop Zeke, but you're not going to stop him from getting completely his. You need to shut down Cooper. Right. And you need to make contain Dak Prescott. So what happened against the Patriots? Because I've seen a Cooper. I feel like he's been in and out a little bit. Was he nicked up in this Patriots game? Is he still a little hurt? I mean, because obviously if Trey White doesn't have to focus 100% on him, he can drop to Gallup and that helps everybody depth wise. I'm sorry. You got any uh, like inside info over there? Yeah, I watched every one of Cooper's snaps as a pretty heavy Cooper fantasy owner of a, of a pretty expensive fantasy league who actually I lost by four points and was pretty oh, much all, no. all Amari Cooper's fault. Yikes. Um, his big, big zero. Um, yeah, I mean, they weren't targeting him. It looked like Dak Prescott knew he was on Stefan Gilmore and Dak doesn't seem to be a quarterback that will force the issue. He knows that if, if Gilmore is going to get out of the play, he's going to try to find matchups elsewhere. Um, he had a couple plays, one that I guess did hit the ground. I thought it was questionable to overturn it. And then he had another called back on a penalty, which two catches right there. The game flow didn't really, it was rainy. It didn't really uh, go in their favor for, for Cooper seeing the ball. I like Michael Gallup. I, I, I don't love Michael Gallup. That's where I stand on him. I've watched a lot of him as well. Uh, I think he's a good receiver. I wouldn't call him a great receiver, but we'll see what they the Bills do with Levi Wallace because I I seem to think he plays receivers like Gallup a little bit better than he does the towering big receivers that are going underneath like Preston Williams for eight yards at a time. That's where Levi Wallace struggles um, because he respects speed. So we're going to see what happens here, but that's a big matchup, and I expect to see uh, Trey White on Amari Cooper maybe one-on-one, and then I expect to see a safety shaded over uh, up the way of Levi Wallace or Kevin Johnson, depending on what they do and, and, and watching that. And I think another safety spying, uh, Zeke Elliott, though, that's what I have. I have a one-on-one with, with, with Cooper and white guys. So we'll see what happens, yeah. but Gallup isn't, isn't necessarily, I know a lot of people are high on him. We'll see what happens, but I think that it fits well for Levi Wallace strengths. Yeah. I almost picture this being like 
especially the first drive for the Cowboys, I almost feel like they're just going to kind of force a couple balls over, over to Cooper, just, you right. know, to appe- appease the Jerry world crowd and, you know, get, get Cowboys nation off his back. But I mean, the Cowboys granted it's by 0.1 yards per game, but they have the most yards uh, per game by any offense. Like you said, Zeke, he's going to get some yards. It's just a matter of keeping that big play from breaking open. And the point I've been hammering home all year is that Ben don't break defense. Once you get into the red zone, which is the defense that they've built, you know, with the strong secondary um, and that interior D line, you know, once we get down to the goal line. So that's going to be the key if they can hold them to three um, instead of seven, obviously. Um, But yeah, I I just picture them kind of forcing the ball over to uh, Cooper. So definitely interested to see how Trey, uh, Trey holds up, especially on the national spotlight. Yeah, this is his chance. I mean, whether himself making a play for Pro Bowl or even Micah Hyde making a pro play for him for the All-Pro team. Huge opportunity for Trey to prove on the national stage. He's got to go down. Same for Singletary. Same for Josh Allen. I mean, it's a really big opportunity for not just the Bills as a team, but a lot of them as individuals to show out and impress that national audience. Well, we're going down the stretch here. Uh, let's see, what stats are we looking at here? Obviously, the Cowboys in, are in two mold. Uh, the crazy numbers to me that stood out right before we get predictions here. Cowboys, 0-4 versus teams with a record of 500 or better. So they're exactly like the Bills. They haven't beaten anybody good. 0-5 when they don't score 30 points or more. No. And the Bills have held opponents to 20 or less, 9 out of 11 games. So the numbers break down a little odd to me. I think if you can get the Bills at 7.5, that's good value for Turkey Day. Yeah, and I got a key staff for you guys, and it's the topic of Michael Gallup. He's only caught 46 of a whopping 75 targets for about a 60% rate. Uh, he gets a lot of praise, but that is a lot of targets. So he's going to get production out of those targets. A 60% rate is not great. He's towering close to Zay Jones' range. Um, so he's going to get his numbers just by pure targets. Um, but 60%, you'd like to see that more towards 70 or 80 uh, in, in advanced statistics there. So. I think Gallup's good. They force fed him, which is interesting when they have Amari Cooper. So it seems to be they let a team take away Cooper and then they force feed Gallup. I don't know why that's their strategy. It's interesting. I would force feed Cooper, um, but he's had a few injuries and disappears at times, but is a good player when he's zoned into the offense. So that's a number I want to watch out for is a 60% rate. So if you're going to get 40% in completions, I don't know. I might I might flirt with that and I might take my chances that um, those numbers could be in favor of a defense. No doubt about it. Well, hey, with all those factors going in, Cav, with the national attention, with the Cowboys in tumult, with the Bills at 8-3 and three for the first time since 1996, let's start our predictions off. You first. What's going to happen at Jerry World this Thursday? Man, I've been back and forth on this one a few times. I obviously initially thought it was going to go the Cowboys' way. Then they struggled a little bit, and I thought it was going to the Bills' way. I'd flip back to the Cowboys, but really after them struggling a little bit here down the stretch with all the controversy, like I said, they could come out on all cylinders. Philadelphia did. We hit them at the wrong time. I don't think they're a great football team. Um, so we got kind of unlucky with the timing. They're the only game in the last like four games that that team's had their offensive weapons. Of course it was against the bills. They had Jordan Howard and et cetera. So, the Cowboys have their weapons. We'll see if all these offensive linemen play. They've had three of their five are limited, um, which means they might suit up, but it doesn't mean they're full strength. They're missing two defensive starters in Van Der Esch and Woods. Um, I, man, I like the Bills in this one, guys. I think that they can pull it off. I think that they're going to hold them under 30, a stat that favors the Bills. Um, 
I'm going 24 to 21 Buffalo. Wow. Love it. Um, man, yeah, like I keep flip-flopping too on this one. Um, I think it's going to be, and this is probably not what anyone wants to hear, but it's going to be an, it's going to be a heartbreaking loss, but it's going to be an encouraging loss. Like the bills are going to stick around. I'm going to go with 23 to 19 Cowboys. Um, I think Beasley's going to get a touchdown. I think Frank Gore might pound one in. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think maybe at the end of the game, we might see Allen kind of driving them down. You know, they're going to need seven and they're going to, it's going to be close, but no cigar, but it's going to be an encouraging drive, you know, like, Oh, Allen had him right there. It's going to be yeah. something along those lines. I can kind of see those storylines playing out um, in the national spotlight. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, eight and four with those big AFC games coming up. I mean, they're they're still where we had expected them to be uh, when they we wanted them in the playoff mix. So, as discouraging as that loss might be, still in the mix. Uh, is this what happens when your team becomes good? It becomes harder to make predictions when the games are actually important. I think so. Uh, so it's like Cowboys are so back up against the wall. The Bills have have not succeeded against good teams this year, apparently, according to everyone. It's tough to pick them. They played Cav, it's exactly like you said. It's just like that Eagles game where like the backs are up against the wall for the Cowboys here. If they're either gonna come out and lash out claws forward or they're gonna back into a corner of nothingness and look inside at themselves for someone to blame. Uh the Eagles rolled us over when they were in that situation. The Browns snuck by us when they were in that situation kind of I want to be I want to pick the bills so I'm gonna pick the bills the third time is the charm for this team with another team that's back up against the wall Steven Hauschka four field goals Cole Peasley definitely a touchdown ridiculous celebration guaranteed Frank Gore is an old man. Old men have strength, and going into Dallas, they are going to take care of business. Walker, Texas Ranger. Give me the Bills. 26-23. They sneak by the Cowboys, 9-3. and Someone online will still find a way to be mad about it, but the Bills are 9-3. and Well, folks, that's our Crowd Assist podcast. Kevin Masari for our guest uh, at Kevin Masari on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. Dallas is going down, Gary. Dallas is going down, Gary. For my co-host Topher and for our sponsor, Picasso's Pizza. For the best deals on the best pizza in Western New York, go to picassospizza.net. Shout out to you, the fans. As you know, it's always three words. Let's go Bills. (laughs) 